Tone Deaf is the journey of a theater nerd, bringing musicals into the life of their musically challenged spouse. This show is rated explicit for mature content and strong language. I'm sorry for me. Spoilers are in every episode, so if you haven't seen the show we are reviewing, you can always check back in later with us. We'll be here when you get back. Welcome to Tone Deaf, a theater nerd's guide for their musically challenged spouse. I'm Kay, a musical theater nerd. <laughs> I'm Warren, and welcome to the Land Before Time uh, TV series, part two. I wish. It's more like... That's <laughs> a bit of how I feel with it. And, yeah. And spoilers. Uh, uh, if you've listened to any of our Land Before Time series so far, uh, there is patterns. And what I mean by that is parts where it's good and we go you lazy fucks why couldn't the rest yeah. of it be good <laughs> absolutely oh my hell oh. yeah so this will be a less traditional episode because uh we've already done our dinosaur facts for this one uh listen to the last episode to learn about Oviraptor, which is the dinosaur that is featured throughout the entire tv series and is one of the only good things about the tv series that's consistent and uh, I have 14 pages of notes. Jesus Christ. For the, oh, no. what, nine episodes that we did in this one. So yeah. I think we should get right into it. Because... Oh, um, one, one thing uh, to do a K correction from last week. Uh, these were in standard definition, but standard definition at the time was 480. 720 is technically hd it's just shittier hd yep so it's hd and then mm -hmm. then uh yeah 480 is what these were film or not filmed but animated in so which pretty I mean, sure at least because and to be fair i will say when they put them on youtube mm -hmm. that we're watching they it's they did something with it because I, it's not for maybe maybe what it was was that they filmed it in a higher quality but the tvs at the time were 480 because they can do that sometimes, because if you watch some of the older movies on an HD TV, everything looks a little too real. Like, you don't get that nice film grain that you expect. Instead, you get things that you're like, oh, this doesn't look right. <laughs> I don't think that it's uh, AI upscaling or oh, anything no, like that. Oh, no, it's not. But I know it's that just that a thing that exists now. That yeah. Upscale stuff. It's just more, it doesn't look right. <laughs> 
it doesn't look right. The frame rate's wrong. Everything's wrong. Yeah, I will say that overall watching these, other than some line issues with the animation quality, uh, mm-hmm. the and resolution. The 3D models. Yeah, well, that. I just mean, like, the, the resolution. Oh, yeah, the resolution's fan-fucking-tastic, but so. it's easier to do that, I feel, with animation than film film. Uh, but, yeah, let's let's get this shit started. So, episode 11, The Hidden Canyon. We open up with the gang playing soccer, or I mean block the seed, or (laughs) chase the seed, or pass the seed, or shoot the seed all over the hole. I mean, between the two trees. Anyways, uh, not sure who's on whose team, but Ruby threw the seed into Thag's mouth, so there's that anyways. (laughs) Thag sent the seed flying high into the sky and right over Ducky, who despite her best efforts could not catch the seed. (laughs) The seed landed in the bushes, and as the gang goes to investigate, they find a mysterious hole. So the gang goes to investigate the mysterious hole. What do you think the gang will do with the mystery hole? If you think they will leave the hole alone, press 1 on your phone now. If you think the gang will explore the mystery hole, press 2 now. If you think the gang will say, fuck it, and get drunk on fermented sweet tree leaves, press three now. The answer is, oh, I guess I have no way of selecting an answer in real time. Well, two. The answer is two. The gang enters the dark, dank mystery hole and comes out the other side. The gang finds strange trees bearing strange fruit and they sniff the mystery fruit before digging in and gorging themselves on the delicious treats. Except Chomper, who is like, Ew, fucking gross! What's wrong with your noses, y'all? This stuff smells like fermented ass left out in the sun! (laughs) But the rest of the gang doesn't care, because these mystery sweets are like fucking crack, and Mm -hmm. the gang sings a song about good food and good friends, and eat themselves into sickness. Jesus. As the sun wanes, the gang is like, Wow, everyone in the valley will love these drug fruits. <laughs> and Sarah straight up threatens to shiv anyone who tells the herd about these cocaine trees. Do you hear, Sarah? She will snuff you out. <laughs> so the gang is persuaded to leave these yummy secrets to themselves. The scene changes to Thag and Ducky, who are belly aching about their full bellies, and Ducky's mom is like, Oh my goodness, I was so worried about you two. Oh, you were out playing Spread the Seed or whatever euphemism game it is. Well, (laughs) you must be hungry after all that seed spreading. Here's a big pile of leaves I gathered just for the two of you. Ducky and Thag have to pretend to be happy about that, even though they are quite full. They're dying inside. (laughs) (laughs) The next day at the hidden opium den of Fructose, (laughs) Baby Steps is like, man... The more I eat these, the more I like them. It's a drug, Baby Steps. You guys are a week away from selling all of your belongings and sucking dick in an alley (laughs) to pay for your fruit habit. And you know, you would think that that was going to be the lesson about this one, is addiction. Maybe, or things in moderation. it was going to be like a Captain Planet thing. (laughs) Like maybe eating too many of these things make them sick, and so they Mm -hmm. have to realize that they can only have a little bit of it. Yeah. But no. Uh, (laughs) So anyways, Chomper is like, I'm glad you guys are enjoying your crack, and the rest of the gang (laughs) does a line of fruit. (laughs) 
that <laughs> evening, Ducky's mom is like, Ducky, Fag, are you two okay? You have not been eating very much lately. And they're like, um, it's all the fun seed spreading we're doing. <laughs> spreading so much seed makes us no hungry. But before Ducky's mom can probe more, the alarm is sounded in the valley as two fast biters are spotted running amok. The adults rally and protect the children, then chase off the fast biters. A great valley meeting is called to discuss the troubling development of sharp teeth in the valley. The next day, the gang is passed out on their opium den when <laughs> Fag goes, <laughs> and the others are like, What is it, Fag? Another way into our opium den from the mysterious beyond? And that's how the fast biters got into the great valley? <laughs> so... Now we have to tell the adults that they might, and they might get mad because we kept the secret canyon full of delicious drugs a secret. And not only that, because not and not only was that bad because we didn't share food, but it endangered the entire herd because the sweet treats are stinky to the sharp teeth and keep them away. Well, I guess we have to sing a scared song about getting in trouble from keeping things from adults. <laughs> so many fucking lessons in this one. <laughs> Which all have done. <laughs> I it, I don't know if there is any circumstance in the natural world that I've ever heard of where predators will, like, avoid prey because of plants that stink or something. Like, I be, don't know about that it, either. It could be one thing if they were, like, massive thorny spikes or, yeah, or something yeah. that, that it was poisonous or, you know, something that contacting caused pain, uh -huh. but the smell driving them away, I mean, it's nature. Everything smells like death and ass anyway. <laughs> I, when, when they hunt down and kill something, they void their bowels, so they're regularly eating meals I, when there's shit everywhere. I think that the smell is supposed to be more like that overwhelming fruity, flowery smell that can get too much. Weigh that smell against raw sewage. Which one do you think would be a bigger deterrent? <laughs> well, if you're an animal that doesn't eat sweet, then, I mean, think about it like Latte, who thinks that watermelon is just, like, why do we make such a big deal over it? Yeah, but it doesn't and keep her away. <laughs> no, it doesn't. But I'm just, I'm, I don't know, I'm sitting here going, it's gotta be that it's like, when you walk into a florist shop and it just smells so overpoweringly flowery, or better yet, a perfume section in a store where they're just spraying perfume everywhere and you're in hell. But that's chemical warfare at that point. Yeah. Well, but speaking like, of chemical warfare. Yeah, but maybe that's what the smell more is like. They should have described it better. I, I don't but know. But it's, I don't know. And it's also probably some sort of speculative paleontology on their part, because they do the whole fucking, <laughs> T-Rexes can't see things with, unless they're moving. No, fuck you. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to go out on a limb and say there was no speculative paleontology in working on this show because they were just like, we got to get these out quickly because oh, kids yeah, are dumb yeah. and they'll sit for it. We have commercials. We have products to sell mm -hmm. in the commercials in between these episodes. True. That's, that's really true. What it is. Anyway, the adults investigate the dank fruits and are like, <laughs> holy shit, you kids ate a lot. But before the adults can find a new way to keep the sharp teeth out of this secret <laughs> side passage into the Great Valley, 
Red Claw shows up and everyone screams and pisses themselves. <laughs> G-Paw, Big Steps, and Topsy decide to hold the line while the baby gang goes for reinforcements. Halfway to leaving the kid halfway to leaving, the kids decide, fuck the adults' orders, let's fight! And they decide on chemical warfare, <laughs> using the remaining stinky crack fruits as projectiles and launching them at the sharp teeth. The dank bombardment drives the carnivores away. The baby gang saved the day, but they also are sad, because Crack Canyon is now blocked off forever. And the kids <laughs> will now all have to go through withdrawals. Baby Steps goes to apologize to the entire herd on behalf of the baby gang, and Topsy is like, You should be sorry, you little shit. I'm getting too old to tangle with sharp teeth. And then Sarah inflates her father's massive ego by going, Oh, but Daddy, you were so brave fighting Red Claw. And the rest of the herd is like, oh, oh my gosh, Red Claw, he fought off Red Claw. Oh, did you hear that? And so Topsy starts to tell the tale of how he fought Red Claw. <laughs> End of episode. <sighs> so, I don't know. Overall, that episode, I would say, is, is it's okay. It, it exists. It's okay. Yeah. The, the, the biggest gripe I have is that the fruits somehow that the, the adults knew that there was this side passage into the great valley yeah but the fruits kept them kept the sharp teeth away because they stank to them and here it's like apparently these are like the most delicious fruits that have ever existed in yeah. the history. remember when they made such a big deal about the sweet tree stars yeah and apparently this is like a whole canyon full of sweet tree crack fruits well and the other thing is is that we know that seasons exist yeah Exactly. What happens, so what happens when, when yeah. in the summer, fall, and winter, this only works Excellent for point. part of the year? Excellent point. <laughs> Just think, they could have blocked off the great that passage to the Great Valley and had all the crack fruits they wanted. Exactly. Anyway. Like they've they've blocked off whole ass canyons before. What's stopping them here? Uh, like plot, I guess. Good hell. writing. <laughs> A second <my> draft. <laughs> it's it's so. Uh, that wouldn't have been the lesson that I would have gone with this story if I had been like, oh, we're doing a thing with really irresistible fruit. It's going to be an anti-drug story and not yeah. necessarily like, oh, drugs are bad, but more like, hey, kids, you're too young to handle this. Don't. I feel like it could have more been like a candy allegory. Yeah, or a candy like allegory. Been like, yeah, you can have this y yummy thing, but yeah. eating too much will make you sick. Just the way that they were passing it around oh, towards seriously? the end. It was like, seriously, <laughs> the way that they were, it was like, pass the blunt to the dino on your left, you know, like, that's really what it seemed like. But, uh. Pass uh, the tree sweet on the left hand side. Yeah. Um. <laughs> But I feel like that the moral they were trying to convey was don't hide things from adults. Yeah, yeah. Which there are better ways to do that. Well, and for one, how how many among us and listening have never kept something from mm -hmm. a parent at yeah. some point? There's, yeah. there's just things you don't tell your parents sometimes. I didn't tell my mom about the bullying until the, the statute of limitations was up. There's, yeah, so just, that it was like, you can't go after the bullies. It's, yeah, there's, there's, it's like, uh, you know, it wasn't until I was in my 30s that I started telling my mom some of the shit that I got into. Because it's like, what are you going to do? Ground me? Like, <laughs> See, mine was more like, okay, I am out of that school I don't need to worry about my angry mama bear coming in because well, a kid called me some. See, now now I just picture your mom putting on like some Rambo war paint and going out to hunt them in the greater Salt Lake Valley. 
All right. Oh, God. Next episode. Episode 12, The Days of Rising Waters. We open up on Uh. a storm as thunder and lightning fill the sky amidst a torrential downpour. We focus on Petrie and his clan as Petrie bitches about the rain. Mama Flyer is like, well, deal. That is until the (laughs) lightning strike causes a mudslide and they have to abandon their home and fly away. All except Petrie, because Petrie. Yeah. But Mama Flyer saves Petrie, and it's the sa- and it's at this time we notice that uh, half of Petrie's siblings are missing from last time we saw them yeah. in the movie. So. Yeah, I think uh, Chomper <laughs> isn't just eating the quote-unquote ground crawlers. I mean, that would explain why there's some fear. Yeah, I, I think that uh, he's been helping himself to another snack possible or it's likely due to budget issues regarding animation costs I, I like my theory better but i like to think that they were killed and eaten by sharp teeth mm-hmm. anyways we return from the opening credits and see petrie's family nest petrie's family nest washed away in the mud ruby baby steps and chomper happen upon petrie's family and help them gather up the sticks of their broken nest these sticks are heirlooms and must be preserved. They are not enough. There are not enough uh, nest-building sticks in the Great Valley. One of its many crucial flaws. I, my hell, I, I don't know if it's because of the baby robins we've been dealing with for the last <laughs> little bit that it just makes me very frustrated whenever it's oh we've got to stay in the nest after these guys have fledged. Baby birds don't go back into the nest. Why would baby pterosaurs after they fledge? And the whole idea that their nest is now a smashed pile of sticks. Yeah. They're like, well, we got to gather all these and transport them. It's, it's... They're soggy now. They're soaked. <laughs> they are not good nest building sticks. You need to go get new sticks. That's no, no. And yeah. uh... well, well, apparently, see, that's the thing is that the Great Valley has a stick shortage, apparently. And that's why they can't go out and get mm. new sticks. Oh, it's the lumber shortage, but for the Great Valley. Ah, yes. So yes. sticks cost, like, a, a little pile of sticks that would have made Petrie's Nest before, like, now costs, like, several thousand dollars when it would have been, like, 20 bucks Just so much a year inflation. ago. Yeah. Unfortunate. <sighs> Another repercussion of the virus that shall not be named. Mm-hmm. Rhymes with schmovid. Or it's uh, a, a uh, log got stuck in the fast water outside the Great Valley and made it so that they couldn't ship lumber into the Great Valley. (laughs) We're not to that stupid-ass episode yet. No, but I was making an evergreen (laughs) joke. Oh, goddammit, you're so fucking clever. (laughs) Unlike... (laughs) But Kay alluded to a stupid plot point in a a future episode. Oh, my fucking... Christ, Jesus. Anyways, uh. <laughs> Chopper tries to eat a bug and keeps talking about how hungry he is, and this scares the shit out of Petrie's siblings, so they shake in fear of Chomper. We see Thag and Ducky playing in the water and swimming, and Sarah is not having any of it, and gets mad at them for having fun in the rain. <laughs> Trisha leaves Sarah's side and goes to Splashy Splash and play in the water. Back at the Flyer clan, Mama Flyer breaks the news that the Flyer family will have to move because the times of rising waters are not going away anytime soon. Back at the others, Trisha swims too deep and needs rescuing by Sarah, who then lambasts Ducky for not yelling at Trisha to stay out of the water. Ducky is like, uh, 
but she wants to swim. And Sarah decides she's going to teach Trisha to swim so she can stay safe-ish during the rising water time. <laughs> Ducky points out the obvious that uh, three horns are not known to be the best of swimmers. And Sarah is like, what did you fucking say to me, you wrinkly lip puddle, si <laughs> puddle splasher? Three horns can do anything. And Sarah suddenly grows an armband and a little mustache and learns to salute and goose step. Anyways, back at the Flyers, who were like, But we don't want to move. We like where we are now. But Chomper is like, Cheer up, Peckerface. I had to move, and it was good. Now I love my new home. And Petrie launches into a sad song about not wanting to leave, because he likes his current home, even if the real estate market in this neighborhood is underwater. <laughs> <laughs> he also thinks that he's leaving the Great Valley, which it's like... <laughs> yeah. Petrie, that was never mentioned. You're, you're moving to another cliff. Yeah. Not even that far away. Not even that far away. And really, you shouldn't... <laughs> <laughs> uh, back at the swimming lessons, Sarah tells Trisha to paddle her front feet, and then her back feet, and then her front feet again, and Trisha just splashes and flails about in the water. Ducky tries to correct Sarah's instructions, and Sarah is like, okay, fine, you teach her how to swim, because it's your fault that Trisha wants to swim in the first place, and if anything bad happens to her, it'll be your fault. And Ducky is like, Oh, no, yeah. no. Yeah, Sarah, my hell. Yeah, back at the Flyer Clan, they're walking and holding sticks and almost get crushed by a falling tree that lightning that a lightning bolt knocks down. And Petrie is like, mm, how about we live under this tree? And Mama Flyer is like, no. <laughs> back at the swimming lessons, Ducky is trying, but Trisha is failing because she's a baby and also not a swimmer. Yeah. Ducky keeps trying to show Trisha proper form, but Trisha just wants to splashy splash because she's a baby. Back at the Flyer Clan, they huff and puff as they hike up a mountain and at the top is their new home and they start throwing sticks on the ground. Mama Flyer thanks the baby gang for their help. Petrie still complains about the new place not being like the old place. And the gang is like, But Petrie, it's high up, just like your old nest. And on a rocky cliff, just like your old nest. And it has a nice view, just like your old nest. Petrie decides that he can only be happy if he makes his new nest, just like his old nest. <laughs> and he starts to arrange his sticks, but then freaks the fuck out when he can't find his snuggling stick. And he decides to go looking for it. Mama Flyer is like, For fuck's sake, Petrie, I'll go get your stupid stick. You stay here. <sighs> and she does find it, but she gets swept away in a mudslide and dies. Mostly. My hell. She's still slightly alive. Chomper is like, I have a good sniffer. I'll go find her. And Petrie's uh, siblings latch onto Chomper's tail, crying, You leave her alone! Because the shtick of this episode is that they're scared of Chomper. Back at the swimming lessons, Sarah bitches more while Trisha continues to splash and not swim. Back at Chomper, he sniffs his way to where Mama Flyer is buried in the mud, and he uses his chompers to scoop and spit mud out in order to free Mama Flyer, all while the Flyer children think Chomper is eating their mother right in front of them. <sighs> Mama Flyer gets freed and thanks Chomper for saving her. Back at the swimming lessons, Sarah is still bitching, but Trisha is learning, so Ducky gets to rub it in Sarah's face. 
Sarah chokes on her pride a bit and compliments Ducky on teaching Trisha to swim, and Ducky comments that Trisha is an even better swimmer now than Sarah, and Sarah <laughs> will not take that insult and attempts to prove Ducky wrong, but just splashes around while saying that she's the greatest. <laughs> so... Like, she's literally, like, spinning in circles, and she's like, have you ever seen a three-horn swim this good? Yeah. Why hell, Sarah? Uh, I'm just, like, the psychosis of this character, like... Yeah, it's it's like they, with Sarah, they can't decide how they're gonna characterize her. Well, it's like she'll have some growth, and then immediately backpedals, and part of it, I think, is because of her dickbag father, who constantly is like, you can't ever be humble or have humility Mm -hmm. or admit that you made a mistake. It's also a little bit of a flanderization, like kind of um, taking one stereotype of this character... As in, like, just what this character is known for in one thing, and then just that's their only personality personality trait. trait. Yeah. When in the first movie, Sarah grows. She does grow. Because she is the character that is there to grow. And they try to do that, and then they immediately backslide because no such thing as any sort of continuity in this series. There's no character growth permanence. Yeah, I I get really frustrated uh, re-watching this and looking at it from a more critical eye with it because there's some really good opportunities for growth of characters in this series and they fucking waste it. <laughs> they do. And like, it, we're, we're gonna be talking about it in a bit, but there's kind of an arc with Chomper in this that I wish they would have done something with, but they don't. Spoilers. Yeah. Back at the Flyers, Petrie is done being a little bitch and decides that he likes his new home, because now it's just like his old home, even without his snuggling stick. Oh, wait! Chomper fucking brought it back, because he's the best. Super happy. He is. Super happy and tired, Petrie just passes out with his snuggling stick, while everyone laughs. (laughs) End of episode. (sighs) Hey, Warren. Hey, Kate. Do you know what time it is? Is it time to thank our Patreon sponsors? It is! Woo! We would like to thank our stage crew sponsors, Jeff, Reagan, and Jasmine Wu. And our producer circle sponsors, Jesse, Bianucci, and Taylor Brandt. Thank you all so much for your continued support of our show. We truly appreciate it. My name is Rob, and I'm host and guide to Songbirding, a new relaxed pace birding by ear podcast that takes you into the breeding territories of a number of bird species in midwestern Ontario. You can find Songbirding wherever you get your podcasts or visit songbirding.com. Now, the lights are going down and the music's starting back up, so let's head back to the second act of our show. Episode 13, The Lonely Journey. We open up with Thag eating and Chomper playing with mud. He then places said mud on Thag's face and blinds him. 
Apparently, this is a game. It's a see if you can find Ducky using just your sniffer for the love of Raptor Jesus. Thag, stop getting distracted by green food game. <laughs> Anyways, Thag sniffs and sniffs and sniffs and sneezes and sniffs and walks and finds himself on the back of Mr. Threehorn, who gives him the usual curmudgeonly scowl before, he sh before the show goes into the music intro. Back from the intro, Chomper congratulates Thag on not getting distracted by green food. Topsy reminds Chomper that he's not any kind of food, and Chomper <laughs> politely agrees in order to avoid being stomped to death. <laughs> Anyways, Ducky is still hiding, and Thag, blinded by mud again, finds her this time and is cheered on by his friends. In the next scene, Chomper's looking for baby steps and goes to Gma Big Steps, and Trisha, who are gathering tree stars for thanks dino-giving. <laughs> Chopper asks what this celebration is all about and gets a very, very streamlined recap of movie three, complete with Trisha talking about how much she hates sharp teeth. My hell, poor Chopper. <laughs> this is a Beat on Chopper episode. This one, the next one, like there are so many Beat on Chopper episodes that I'm like, this could have been such an interesting character study that they could have done is move the series focus to chomper and how he's navigating trying to be better than the other sharp teeth even though it's a shitty it's a very shitty uh allegory because carnivores have to eat meat mm-hmm it's not a case of, oh, I'm better than this species and I'm gonna put them down all the time and terrorize them just for fun. No, they gotta eat meat. It's it literally different. literally is survival. It is literally survival. And that's why allegories like this and in Zootopia do not work. I'm sorry. That's yeah. my soapbox. Yeah. Well, I think it's sometimes written by people who think well if they just tried hard enough yeah. they could be vegan or yeah. vegetarian or or they just they they think that it's the same thing and it's not you can't do you can't conflate carnivory and racism you just <laughs> they are not the same thing you don't have to hate other races like that's not it's not the same thing as needing to oh, eat God. meat. I hate other races so bad. I don't give a shit about NASCAR. I don't give a shit about Formula One. I don't give a shit about rally racing. Jesus Christ! Just vroom vroom in a circle. I don't give My a shit. Hell. But like you, you get what I'm saying. It's <laughs> it's a very shitty allegory because the minute that you think about it at all, it falls apart. Like, oh. They're all mad at Chomper for being a sharp tooth, but it's not for it's not the uh, it's it's not an equivalent that hits humans. It's not a lesson that humans can really learn, and it kind of makes the whole thing in this story or in this episode a little weird and a little bit of an asterisk on your comment because like while they're talking like topsy is just topsy so he doesn't yeah count. he's horrible but trisha when she's talking about how much she hurts sharp teeth and she hurts chomper's feelings yeah she does point out oh i didn't mean him yeah like you're yeah. one of the good ones exactly you're one of the good exactly. ones chomper which, oh, God, oh. which i'm pretty sure i have a joke about that uh it's it's also though some of the stuff that happens later in this episode and then in the next episode and 
I think in another episode in this stretch of episodes that is just like my fucking hell. And this I, is not how this works. And I do, I do get that from the perspective of herbivores, something mm-hmm. trying to eat you is evil. Yeah, you know. And then, uh, it, what was the name of that cartoon that we watched with Shay with the dinosaurs and it had the oh oh yeah. Oh God, what was that called? Because it was so damn cute. Yeah, it was the 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 T Rex that raises <sighs> an herbivore. Yeah, he raises an ankylosaur. And he, but he was also raised by herbivores, kind of thing. And so yeah, he, that one did a really good job of tackling the duality. Yes, of of yes. being a carnivore but raising something that you could eat but choose not to. But yeah. you still go up. And same with that one cartoon that we watched with Shay again, with the wolf and the sheep. Oh, uh, oh God, it was like, I I can't remember how to pronounce the actual name, but it's the, uh, now are you meaning the one where the wolf raises the sheep after he kills? No, the one, okay. the one that's the one kind that's, of gay. Oh, the, the, uh. Or their friends. Arashi no Euro. I can't pronounce it, but yeah. Anyway, I love that movie so Anyways, much. Like, I love it, it so much. It can be. It can be handled in, in mm-hmm. better ways. And yeah. This one, it's just more of oh, if you eat meat, you're bad. Yeah, and that just <sighs> especially it's rich coming from a ceratopsian that could have been an omnivore. Just saying. Well, and and how uh, uh, animal behavioralists have shown that herbivores are opportunistic carnivores and yeah eat yeah small animals they will happily eat a small animal have cows around baby chickens cows think they're chicken nuggets nom, 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 nom. Mm-hmm. okay anyways uh trisha's talking about how much she hates sharp teeth chomper gets sad gets kind of sad and leaves to go find baby steps who is gathering tree stars with his g-paw when Chomper finds them, Baby Steps asks if he wants to help pick the bestest of the leafy greens, and Chomper is like, Nah, I can't tell the good greens from the bad greens. And G-Paw talks about how, Back in his day, those shitty old sharp teeth kept the young ones from eating leafy greens. They had to eat swamp sticks and Jesus. walk 40 miles to school uphill both ways. My hell. Chomper gets bummed again by the continued smack-talking of his kind. The scene cuts to the great dino giving, and some iguanodon kiddos are eating berries, and Chomper sits with them and makes them laugh. The mother iguanodon pulls her kids away, saying, It's not safe to play with sharp teeth. And Chomper gets sad again. Thag is grubbing down on some green food, but Ducky notices Chomper's long face and asks him what's wrong. Chomper is like, Everyone hates me. I should just go back to the mysterious beyond with all the other sharp teeth. And Ducky is like, no, 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 you're our friend. Yep, yep, one of the good sharp teeth. God. Plus, you're so smart and such a good teacher. Chomper thinks for a moment and then is like, hey, if I'm such a good teacher, maybe I can teach the sharp teeth to be nice and all us dinosaurs dinosaurs can live in peace. Thanks for the great idea, Ducky. You're so smart. And Chomper walks off on his new mission. And this is this is where the allegory gets weird. Because where what are sharp teeth in this allegory? Are they the minority class or are they the majority class that has the privilege? Because the way that they're doing it smacks of the reverse racism thing. 
a little bit, but also smacks up. Again, it's it's the same damn issue with Zootopia. I don't know if there really was any consideration when it was being done. Like Probably the show not. Itself, because <laughs> if you're going from the, the perspective of the Valley Dwellers, Chopper mm-hmm. is the minority because he's yeah. like the... Well, him and Ruby. Ruby's a... Well, overwrap. I mean... Overwrapper's an omnivore. Yeah, so still technically would have been something that the... Mm-hmm. Plant eaters would have been wary of, most yeah. likely. But, um, Especially around Ducky and Petrie, because yeah. they would have been a perfect little snack. Yeah, and uh, I don't know. It, it It's so weird. It's kind of hard to quantify because to an extent, in hindsight, when thinking about this episode, there's a little bit of... Uh, I, I don't know how to word it, but it, it does seem a bit like Chomper's character due to his interactions with his own kinds in what I'm going to talk about in my notes. It's a little bit of encouraging to dislike your own kind. A little yeah. bit of like... Yeah. Yeah. And it's not good. Yeah. It's really not good. Either, either way that Chomper is supposed to be the stand-in for... It's bad. It's really, really bad. Which sucks, because Chomper's the yeah, best. Yeah, it is. It really sucks, because you're putting one of the best characters that they've created in this shitty situation, because if if he is supposed to be the minority, there's a lot of shitty problematic stuff. Like, I don't know if you remember the Super Predator shit from the 90s. I sure fucking do. That was... So, uh... I want to say when Hillary Clinton was running, that came up a lot in um, the debates and in a lot of uh, pieces about her. But there was this whole, oh, black men are dangerous super predators. And that's the thing that when people were talking about Zootopia, that was kind of what they were like. If, If the predators are supposed to be the racial minority we're putting this baggage in there and that's the same with chomper but if chomper is supposed to be the majority class with privilege if he is supposed to be the stand-in for a white guy in a minority area then it's a reverse racism thing and telling chomper that oh no matter what the you can't get other white people to see their privilege and be nicer because you're taking a biological thing, which is carnivory and putting it on a sociological thing, which is race relations. And it doesn't work. I see where you're going from. Yeah. It's bad. It's really shitty because then it makes it, it does the thing that all of these anti-critical race theory people Mm -hmm. are afraid of. Mm -hmm. And it makes me so mad because it's like, no, that's not, that's not a realistic thing. You can you can recognize your privilege and work to help other people, but also stop putting race allegories and carnivore carnivore versus herbivore dynamics because that's not an equivalent. But I think that uh, uh, following that approach, I do think it is technically the reverse. Where because I mean, going by ecological standards too, 
predators are the minority. Yeah. Because if there were more predators than herbivores, they would mm-hmm. starve to death and they would hunt them to extinction. Yeah. So I think it is a situation of the carnivores are the quote unquote racial minority and Chomper is a racial minority living mm-hmm. with a majority. And, yeah. And he's around the majority talking about how much they hate his yeah. group. Yeah. And he, but he's one of the good ones. And yeah. he's like, oh, maybe I can get them to be good too so that and it also frustrates me because we have seen other sharp teeth not be like that with chomper's parents because chomper's parents were the ones who sent him in the first place and then ruby's parents sent ruby to watch chomper and it's like and it's a whole thing of like how do we get along with these other things because Red Claw is showing us that things don't work, and which I'm still kind of like, but that doesn't, it doesn't make any fucking sense. Stop doing these sorts of things with carnivores and herbivores if we're not going to acknowledge the fact that carnivores have to eat meat. Yeah. Again, dinosaur train does it so much better. (laughs) I think it's also one of those issues where depending on who's in charge Mm -hmm. and what they will allow when you try because this is this is one of those issues that we always get in in a cartoon like this where Mm -hmm. if they attempt to try and tackle an issue that has relevance to the people watching it Mm -hmm. or you know to the the greater society they are allowed to dip their toe in the pool but they are not allowed to talk about the temperature and they're not allowed to like Mm -hmm. really get in it and see how deep the bottom is Mm -hmm. they're just allowed to on a surface level yeah comment on it and it, it it if you're going to to try and tackle a subject matter you need to do it with with honesty kind of thing yes which they don't do it's no, very it's it's, it's so shallow yeah and it's it's like the first movie did it better because all the herbivores are on the same like it, it's a closer thing for all of the herbivore characters to uh a real life equivalent whereas there is no similarity with a carnivore and an herbivore because while carnivores need to eat meat, early uh, settlers didn't need to have slaves. <laughs> and then didn't need to keep those institutions going for 400 years. Like, mm-hmm. that's that's the thing. It's like, you can't... It's not a shallow issue. Um, I wish I could remember her name. The woman that we were watching on Twitter that did oh, the thing about how everyone thinks of it like it's racism was like bullying, but I it's, think it's an it's yeah. an interpersonal conflict. Yeah, that it's an interpersonal conflict, but it's not. Yeah, and I think that's the way that these writers keep approaching it with Chomper, and it falls apart as soon as you think about it any longer than oh poor Chomper, and it's like well. But he eats meat, and if he doesn't eat meat, he'll die. He'll die. And he's honestly really malnourished right now, only eating bugs. He At least fish. Give Chomper some fish. I don't know. Do they allow him to eat a corpse of someone who dies of natural causes? Probably not. I mean, does he have to sneak away and chomp on somebody when they're dead? Like, it's... <sighs> 
I don't know. I Chomper is in such a bad He is in situation. such a bad situation. This is horrible for our boy. A little uh, fuzzy little T-Rex baby. Anyways, we should probably... Mm-hmm. We, we, should, should, we should. We should get back to the episode, even though it's... Hop off your hop off our soapboxes, Kay. Uh, Stop talking about uh, critical race theory and the greater systemic issues that are repercussions of, uh, of centuries of, of inequality and uh, inhumane treatment. And let's talk about some dinosaurs. They're the ones who tried to put it in. <laughs> I know. I they know. started it. They did it half-assedly. So half-assedly. In the next scene... Oh, God, where were we? Oh, yeah, Chomper is going off on a mission to try and get all the other minorities to get along with the majority. Uh, in the next scene, the plant so eaters bad. are all chill after filling their bellies, and Ruby comes rushing in. Where's Chomper? Can't find him anywhere. And the rest of the baby gang explains that Chomper left the great dino giving early and and Ducky gets the idea to have Thag sniff out Chomper. Sarah laughs at the idea, but Ducky launches into a song about how Thag can sniff Chomper out. And then the gang sets out to find Chomper. Back at Chomper, who is now in the mysterious beyond, he gets tired of walking and not finding any sharp teeth and decides to sleep in this strange cave which happens to be the home of some fast fighters, or fast runners, or bite runners. Shitty raptors. They're shitty Mm -hmm. raptors with snaggle teeth. Hell. Anyways, they growl at Chomper for being in their cave, and Chomper tries to be friends with them, and even speaks in sharp tooth. But either his sharp tooth speech is a little rusty, or these raptors are just jerks. Either way, they attack Chomper and chase him off. Chomper is able to narrowly avoid the raptors and tricks them into falling off a cliff and into a river, which washes them away. The rest of the baby gang finally makes their way into the mysterious beyond, but the scene goes back to Chomper, who sees a whole mess of sharp teeth running away from Red Claw. Chomper is able to avoid certain death and comments that he'll probably never be able to teach Red Claw to be friendly. Back at the baby gang... Thag got distracted sniffing for Chomper and eats some food. That happens to be right next to Chomper's footprint, so the gang continues onward. (laughs) Back at Chomper, he finds a little sharp tooth and tries to make friends with him, but it fails, and the little sharp tooth bites Chomper's tail and then leaves to go get his parents who chase Chomper down. Chomper is able to escape and heads towards White Mountain, because sharp teeth hate White Mountain, on account of how cold it is, because... This snow on this mountain is apparently cold, but not the snow that falls in the Great Valley, because prehistoric (sighs) reasons. Well said, Kay. Anyways, Chomper falls down White Mountain and screams. His screams echo... His scream echo... His screams echo and are heard by the rest of the baby gang, who go to save Chomper. Thag is able to sniff out Chomper's location, and Thag fucking eats his way through the snow and down to to Chomper and rescues him. That's, yep, that's, that happens. Yes, it does. Thag eats a ten-foot deep tunnel down to get Chomper. Yep. Uh, when the baby gang is reunited, Chomper explains why he was trying to teach. Explains that he was trying to teach Sharp Teeth to be nice, but that is impossible because they're all a bunch of angry. Jerks. <laughs> 
the reunion is interrupted by an avalanche, and the only way to escape it is to slide down the mountain, which they do on their butts and bellies. The gang heads back to the Great Valley. Just, side note, um, you can't outslide an avalanche? No. You, you no. Can't, you can't out- avalanches are fucking fast. Uh, Again, these people have never, <laughs> ever experienced snow. They do not know how horrible snow it's, is. It's like it is the, the worst. Snow is only cold when it's in the mountains. <laughs> so the gang is, uh, so the, yeah, they slide on their butts and bellies. The gang heads back to the Great Valley. The gang is sitting on a cliffside watching the sunset while they're like, Hey, Chomper. You left the great dino giving early and we couldn't give you your food. And they hand over a big leaf covered in bugs. Chomper goes wild and scarfs them up. He's so happy he bursts into song before a f- off- he bursts into song before offering to share his bug bounty with with his friends who are all ill and laugh as Chomper grubs down on some grubs. End episode. Slimy yet satisfying. <laughs> My God. Episode 14. Oh, God, that's another movie that has a situation of, like, a lion could not sustain itself no. on Bugs Alone. No. We it- taught a lion to eat tofu. <coughs> episode 14. The Missing Fast Water Adventure. For fuck's sake, <sighs> who wrote this? I want to slap them. I, God, I... Mm, this one i hate this one i hate this one and we all know why i hate this one for actually for two reasons we get into one of them right away because poor fucking chomper again Mm. but then the other one because of what happens and who comes back Uh, we open up with We open up with Mount Flatcock in the distance before the camera pans to our child heroes playing in a pond and splashing around. Mount Flatcock. <laughs> it looks like a dick with a flattened head. Chomper oh uh, cannonballs into the middle of the gang and gets a scowl from Sarah. Chomper submarines away and goes over to Topsy, who is digging and stuff. Chomper offers to help, and Topsy scoffs and tells Chomper to fuck off with his little arms that are no good for digging. Chomper, now sad because he was told he has tiny arms, goes over to Ruby, who is like, Hands are more handy than horns, if you ask me, and demonstrates her dexterity by skipping a rock across the pond. Chomper tries to as well, and fails, and Sarah mocks him. Chomper tries to double down on the my arms are not little, and tries to pick up a rock, but struggles and struggles and causes an earth shake, or so (laughs) he thinks. The rest of the group goes to check to make sure no one was hurt by the earth shake, and what they discover is that all the water is gone. Hmm, my detective instincts say that the earth shake stole the water in order to sell it back to the dinosaurs at a profit. It all makes too much sense for it not to be true. Anyways, the dinos are having a meeting about the missing water. Topsy says they should just do nothing and ration their water for the rest of their lives. But Baby Steps suggests a plan of action to discover why the water is missing. And Topsy calls Baby Steps stupid for having a plan. The rest of the adults, in typical children's media fashion, ignore the kids and side with the asshole atops. (laughs) 
After the adults adjourn the meeting with the decision to ration water, Baby Steps and the others are not Baby Steps and the others are not uh, taking this shit lying down. They head out along the riverbed to find out what caused the water to go away. During their investigation, Ducky falls into a hole, and Chomper tries to save her, but gets reminded his arms are too tiny, as Baby Steps saves Ducky. God. As they continue, they find some water, and Ducky decides to swim to the bottom and investigate. But the gang collectively pisses themselves in fear as they see a fast-moving, shadowy, dolphin-shaped creature approaching. And yes, while they're all, Ah, Ducky, look out! It gets revealed that Mo, the fucking Dolphinosaurus who is so flippering annoying, is back. No, it's... You do that way too well. I hate that, that you, I do that way too well. It's like me and my Jar Jar Binks Ugh. that I do. Uh, okay. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Mo is back. Uh, pleasantries are exchanged, and Ruby and Chomper are introduced before it's discovered that a landslide blocked the water, and it's backed up all the way to the ocean. And the gang launches into a rendition of Big, 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 Big Water. The gang tells Mo that they need to get these rocks cleared so that the water can flow again, and so Baby Steps can shove his victory in Topsy's smug, do-nothing face. Sarah snipes at Chomper some more about his tiny arms, but Chomper gives it his best effort to move rocks with the rest of the gang. There is a big rock that needs moving, and Baby Steps calls Thag the Mighty over to help, and Chomper is like, But, 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 what about me? Don't you want my help? And Baby Steps caves into Chomper's self-pity and they push the rock. But Chomper slips and falls into the water and gets tangled in vines. Chomper sinks, but is rescued by Ducky, Baby Steps, Mo, and Ruby. Chomper, soggy and sullen, is extra sad about not only being unable to push the big heavy rock, but also needing rescuing. The gang is able to move the big rock and the water begins to flow but then another earth shake causes more rocks to fall and block the water again. Prehistoric dinosaur earth gods are such trolls. <laughs> the gang gets all bummed and annoyed by the failure, but Thag draws everyone's attention to the log, which is lodged in the damn rocks. <laughs> okay, the log. Jesus the log is logged in the damn... Ugh, wow, I can't read my own notes. <laughs> Thag draws everyone's attention... <laughs> To a log, which is lodged in the damned rocks. And they can see that there is a rock blocking the flow of water through the log. Ruby tries to reach it, but her arms are not long enough. Who, who, I ask, is the dinosaur with arms small enough to reach through the tiny side hole in the log and dislodge the rock? Who? It's Chomper. Duh. Mm -hmm. And... And Chomper does the aforementioned dislodging and allows water to f enough water to flow through the log to refill the river. Everyone goes, they have a plot where they're talking about, well, if we remove all of this, then mm -hmm. Mo will be stranded because he won't be able to get back in time. So yep. they have this whole like, well, if we remove just enough that the water can flow, then everyone will be happy. Yeah. And uh, 
it's one of those things that like if they would have just removed the top rocks, the water would have only flowed so far and then been stuck again. Yeah. So the log actually is a. Pretty, it's a good. It's, it's a good idea. It's down further in the damned rocks. Yes. <laughs> I mean, or. Mo could have gone back out to the big water. Yeah, or Mo could have just fucking left because no one wants him here. Well, oh, this all could have been avoided. Anyways, everyone, including Sarah, gives Chomper a kudos for saving the day. The gang bids Mo farewell, and Kay and I give him a middle finger as he swims away. Mm-hmm. Gods, do I hate Mo! Most annoying side character next to the fucking yellow bellies. Yep. Anyways, back at the Great Valley, everyone thanks Chomper for saving the day with his mighty, super useful wonder arms. And Topsy didn't learn a goddamn thing. He never does. <laughs> End of episode. Uh, uh, my hell. Episode 15. The Spooky Nightmare. No, Spooky Nighttime Adventure. <laughs> Ow. The episode opens up with a fast biter and is being chased by two bigger sharp teeth. But then those two bigger sharp teeth are being chased by an even bigger flyer who eats the two sharp teeth in one bite. Or so claims Petrie, who is a gullible liar face. <laughs> Anyways, the kids are telling scary stories around the toxic volcano vent. <laughs> and Ruby tells... And Ruby starts to tell them a story of from the mysterious beyond a supposed story uh, that sharp teeth tell to scare their children ruby says that the super scary dino called the hidden runner lurks in the caves of the mysterious beyond and waits until night and then sneaks up the sleeping dinosaurs and eats them <laughs> everyone is scared of the story except sarah who is too brave to be scared of anything as our backlog of reviews clearly outlines. My hell. <coughs> Anyways, Ruby says that the hidden runner is also invisible, so he might be lurking right around them now. Boo! Ha 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 I'm so good at scary stories. But anyways, Gma Big Steps comes to tell the kids to go to bed. As the kids are heading back from their thermal vents for story from storytelling... Chomper asks Ruby if he can stay with her. Not because he's scared or anything, just because. <laughs> Anyways, that night, Ducky is sleeping and has a nightmare about the hidden runner. And the next morning, it's revealed that the others also had nightmares. I mean, scary sleep stories. Yeah. Except for Sarah, because she's so brave. Petrie, on the other hand, swears he saw the invisible monster. It looked like, uh, nothing, because it was invisible. And Ruby tries to be like, hey, calm down, Petrie. I, I made it all up. I made that story up. The Hidden Runner isn't real. <laughs> and Petrie is all, mm, just because you make up story doesn't mean it's not true. And Ruby is like, um, let's go see Mr. Big Nose. He knows more about this <laughs> than I do. And uh, Mr. Big Nose is like, so Hidden Runner is back. At long last, I'll find him and see this invisible creature for myself. <laughs> and he's like, I'm a find this invisible bitch for myself. And he sings a song about adventuring to find Hidden Runner. Mr. Big Nose is a fucking Bigfoot hunter. Yes, he is. He is a Bigfoot hunter and it makes me so happy. Ruby. He will find Bigfoot. <clears throat> he will kiss him. He will be the little spoon. <laughs> they will fuck. I want to get railed by Bigfoot. That's uh, 
That's a shout out to Rory Blank, who made that sign. Mm-hmm. I love that sign. I wish I felt more comfortable to hang that in our front yard, but it'll it'll go on our wall. I was gonna say, yeah, we should hang it on the wall like yes. a picture frame. Yes. Anyways, <laughs> Ruby and the others are like, I want to see if there's a real hidden runner or if this is all bullshit. <laughs> Mr. Big Nose tells the kids to sign these permission slips before they all go adventuring. <laughs> yes. During their walk, the others are getting spooked and Sarah calls them all a bunch of bitches jumping at shadows. <laughs> the gang rests for the night and Mr. Big Nose snores like a motorboat and talks in his sleep about the hidden runner. The kids all eventually fall asleep, and Sarah, yes, Sarah, the super brave, has a nightmare about (laughs) Hidden Runner, I bet you're thinking. But no, she has a nightmare about a fucking fire-breathing dragon. Yep. But the dragon disappears and is replaced with something more terrifying, being heckled by your peers (laughs) as the disembodied heads of Sarah's friends dance around her and call her a scaredy egg. Sarah wakes up to baby steps over her, and she's like, I'm not scared, fuck off! (laughs) And they hear a shriek in the distance. Mr. Big Nose is like, Hidden Runner! And the fucking music cues up, and I think, Huh, this sounds a lot like Big Big Water. Mm -hmm. And it fucking is, but but it's Hidden Runner instead of Big Big Water. Because reusing music is the easiest way, is easier than giving a shit. (sighs) Anyways, Mr. Big Nose points out some bite marks on the trees and some footprints on the ground. And the gang heads into a cave and they get scared at the shadow of the supposed hidden runner. (laughs) Especially Sarah, who shits a brick and then bails on the gang. Sarah's screams scares away the supposed hidden runner and Big Nose chases after it, but he gets stuck in the cave and he can't pursue. (laughs) Depressed that his lifelong mission ended in failure, the rest of the gang leaves to find Sarah, who comes out of her hiding bush and admits that she's a big scaredy egg. As the gang is reassuring Sarah that she's fine, they encounter the real hidden runner, who is some kind of... Not a fucking truodontid like Kay says the wiki says. He's some <laughs> ornithomimid he, or manoraptor. Yeah, the wiki calls him a truodon or ornithomimus or synornithomimus or a manoraptor. Like, the, it's not really revealed what he is. He doesn't speak the common. Yeah, so he's obviously a so carnivore. He's, yeah, he's got to be a carnivore, but he nibbles on leaves, so he's an omnivore. Mm. And so, um, I don't know. I prefer either Ornithomimus or Synornithomimus, um, but the wiki, I think, said Truodon because of the nocturnal behavior, which I don't think they've found for any Ornithomimids. Hmm. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that that's a Truodonted thing, and that's why. But as we know, this series doesn't give a shit so no, it doesn't <laughs> it could have been a truodon that they were like but he's vegetarian even though there was never a thing with truodon yeah anyways he's green and blue and blends into the greenery which is why the story said he was invisible and the gang just watches him for a while and breaks down the semi-science of why he is why he is the way he is and they try to communicate with it but it's uh a sharp beak? I don't know. It doesn't speak their language, and it just runs away and shrieks. 
As the gang is walking back, they just are all amazed at what they found and how their fear turned out to be unfounded. And then a shriek in the distance scares Petrie, who Baby Steps comments always has something to be afraid of. <laughs> the gang laughs and laughs as the screen fades to black. End of episode. What's kind of great about it, though, is that if he is a Ornithomimus or Cynornithomimus, we've established that those two species are uh, on the same social strata as the rest of the Great Valley inhabitants. So that's like going into the woods and finding a dude. And standing there going, he's so majestic. Look, look at him. him. Oh, oh my goodness. The pigment on him. Look at, look at what he's wearing. Wow. It's, it's, it's like going out into the woods and finding the guy that always is out there in camo. Just. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That would be so funny. Uh, like, <laughs> if I was, if I was a troll and wanted to do hidden camera videos, that would be hilarious to like have be in like a getup of like some kind of adventurous outfit and just going out with a notepad and like talking into a yeah. tape recorder and commenting no subject is is walking in the wild oh, oh subject has spotted me i will i will remain still like just yeah like that the, that's the equivalent of this yeah it really is. <laughs> all right <clears throat> Episode 16, The Lone Dinosaur Returns. Fuck this episode. <laughs> the episode opens up with Sarah fucking booking it and running past some adults talking about how the last time he was here, there was trouble. Anyways, the dino kids were bowling with seeds or fruit or rocks. I don't know. They're playing prehistoric roly ball sports. <laughs> Anyway, Sarah shows up with, You guys! You guys! Doc is coming back, you guys! And Baby Steps is like, Doc? Do you mean the lone dinosaur? Woo woo! Wow, wow, Anyways, Baby Steps gives a recap of Movie 6 for any newcomers to the series. The Baby Gang speculates about why Doc is back. And Sarah is like, Maybe he's here to beat the shit out of Chomper. And Chomper freaks the fuck out. Ruby tries to reassure Chomper that he's fine, and Doc won't smash him into jelly. That, <laughs> that night, Chomper has a nightmare about a freaking dragon-like long neck smashing mountains and killing Chomper, who wakes up in a panic and runs to Ruby for comfort. That was such a cool dream sequence, And actually, though. like, the, the way that they made I mean, he, he did look cool. Mm -hmm. The animation in that part was Poor Chomper, I, I get the though. feeling that sometimes the people working on this, like, just want to do something different. Mm -hmm. What if we did dragons? Because, I mean, Sarah had a nightmare about a dragon in the previous yeah. episode. Yeah. The next day, Ducky reveals that she also had a dream about Doc crushing Chomper. And Chomper freaks God. out a bit more. The gang sings about Doc and how he and how awesome he is. Chomper gets even more afraid. Oh yeah, the gang decides to hide Chomper on the off chance that Doc actually does want to kill him. <sighs> Poor Chomper, man. He those last few episodes, he's really yeah. been getting the the, sh the the thick end of the shaft, you know. Yeah, it's it's horrible. I feel so bad for him. My so, poor baby. I know. So Baby Steps runs into Doc, who is looking for his girlfriend, Dara. And Baby Steps is like, upset 
that the lone dinosaur is getting laid on a regular basis and has a companion? <laughs> Baby Steps keeps trying to ask Doc how he's the lone dinosaur if he's not alone anymore. And Doc just ignores Baby Steps because he's blinded by Cloaca. <laughs> Anyways, the gang... <laughs> The gang hiding Chomper decides to move him, because Doc is so fucking tall, he might see him hiding behind this tiny bush. So they hide Chomper in the mountains, or on a pile of rocks near the mountains. While the gang is trying to hide, they cause a rock slide, and they all get buried. Miraculously, miraculously the gang doesn't get crushed to death by big fucking rocks. <laughs> they hide again, up to uh, way up high, but Doc finds them anyway, because he's super fucking tall. <laughs> Doc gives Baby Steps shit for having Sharptooth as a friend, and even comments that it's a neat trick he taught him to talk. Fuck yeah. my god. Doc belittles Chomper. It's so fucking bad. It's really, it's just <laughs> quite harsh. Uh, Doc belittles Chomper, and when he tries to tell Baby Steps to leave Chomper, Baby Steps is like, No, I'm not gonna help you anymore. Chomper is my bro, and bros before low dinosaur hoes. <laughs> and Doc walks away all, Have it your way. Wow, 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 wow. Chomper, however, thinks he can use his sniffer to find Dara, and the baby gang sets out to find her. The gang, led by Chomper, are able to find Dara, who is stuck in sinky sand, or a bog, or mud, or whatever. She was trying to find a sex lake. <laughs> <laughs> She's stuck, that's the important part. Anyways, the baby gang tries to bend a tree to help reach Dara to help pull her out. But the tree snaps, and half the gang falls into the swamp and add to the situation. But luckily, before Petrie and Baby Steps can start new friend application process, <laughs> Doc rushes in to save the day and pulls everyone out. Dara recaps and tells Doc how brave and awesome Chomper is, and Doc apologizes to Baby Steps for not trusting him about Chomper, who is different. He's one of the good ones. <laughs> And he asks Baby Steps to keep telling Doc when he's wrong. Everyone is happy and gets together to sing the Happy Bright Circle song. End episode. Oh. Episode 17. Stranger from the Mysterious Above. This is my favorite one out of the run of these episodes. This this one was pretty funny. Uh, it, 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 well, it's... It's not that great of an episode, but the bar is so low, and this one does something that really inverts yes. what's been done previously, yes. and that's why it's it, entertaining. It, it does something clever. It does. So, we open up with the baby gang walking, the old, walking to the old watering hole, which Ducky comments is covered in sticky vines. But Baby Steps tries to pull on a pull a vine down, but gets yeeted into the sky like a ragdoll Tarzan and splashes into the water, claiming that it was fun. Petrie and Ducky uh, form a swimmer-flyer hybrid and flap and splash in the water hole. And when they tell Thag to come play, they hear the strained grunting of Thag stuck headfirst in a hole. <laughs> The gang, minus Sarah, Ruby, and Chomper, who I forgot to mention are not around at the moment, tie a sticky vine around Thag and try to pull him out, but it snaps. Thag is well and truly stuck. Oh, but his burp dislodges him or something? 
Thag ends up falling deeper into the hole and slides into an underground cave of some sorts. Baby Steps says that they have to go after Thag, but Petrie is like, But what if there's something scary down there? And Ducky is like, sc sc scary Oh, no, no, no! And then it cuts to Thag, who is grubbling down, who's grubbing down on some underground flowers, when, suddenly, something rustles in the distance of the cave, and Thag starts to wet himself <laughs> until it's revealed that some prehistoric mammal creatures are what is making the noise. Half of the gang, half of the baby gang go to get the other half, who are playing tag or something. They fill the others in on Thag falling down a hole, and ponder how they're going to get Thag out of the Underdark. When Mr. <laughs> Big Nose wanders into the situation and enlists and <laughs> and is enlisted for aid in rescuing Thag. Speaking of Thag, back at him eating cave flowers, the cave rats think Thag might be God, or at the very <laughs> least, the big wise one of it's their so legends. Yep. Apparently, uh, we get a revision of Beyond the Mysterious Beyond with Above the Mysterious Above. It's, uh, it's so clever. It is tainting a little bit what I like about the seventh movie, though. But in hindsight, it it's better because just it's funny. Yeah. And it's, thematically, it works. Yeah, it really it does. It, it's not like when they were reusing, you know, Big Big Water with the mm -hmm. hidden runner and stuff like that. It's 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 funny because you have these creatures that live underground that are these tiny little mammal creatures and then mm -hmm. a baby stegosaurus falls into their cave and they're like oh, he must be the big wise one from above the mysterious above yes it's it's so well done i give it credit for that anyways the gopher pack sings the song while thag continues eating their flower bed then the song ends and we go back to the rest of the gang on their way to save thag but they're stopped by topsy who is like this is dumb you're all dumb and Mr. Big Nose basically tells Topsy he's a fucking asshole, but you know, not actually, because kids show. And Topsy decides to go help Thag, too. Back at Thag, uh, he's God. And uh, <laughs> the gopher rats had brought him gems and other tributes, and they're asking him for life advice. But Thag can't talk, and so he just does stuff, but the gophers interpret what they want to interpret from, their, from his actions. Mm-hmm. Back at the Mysterious Above, Topsy and Mr. Big Nose are arguing about the best way to save Thag, strength or thinking. And the rest of the baby gang are like, well, how can we save Thag then? And then we jump back to Thag, who is tired from being a god, and is slumbering <laughs> until the gopher rats wake him up, because it's time. Time <laughs> to vanquish the great hideous beast, a creature that walks on two legs, has a three-horned face, and eyes of a nightwalker. The monstrous creature roars in the distance of the caves, and the shriek sends the gopher rats running in fear. Thag cowers at, at the mere sight of its shadow, until it's revealed that the great hideous beast is, like, a foot tall. And mm -hmm. Thag just smacks it with his fat ass, and gets and it gets buried by rocks. On accident. On accident, yeah. Thag's just kind of like, huh? And he just turns, and it's like a, a Three Stooges sketch, you know, mm -hmm. just hits him with the side of his butt. And... and he's just this little basal ceratopsid. The gopher rats rejoice at the prophecy being fulfilled and praise God King Thag for his great and mighty victory over the, the terrible, what was it? The hideous, hideous great beast. hideous beast. 
Back at the surface, Topsy and Mr. Big Nose are still arguing about whose plan is better and sing the My Way, My Way song. But say, but uh, back at the baby gang, they're preparing to save the day as Ruby invents rope by mm-hmm. braiding two vines together. Yep. Back at Thag, who is being rewarded for being God, I guess, <laughs> the gopher rats try to thank him the best way they can by giving him all of their food. But all of their food is like a mouthful of moss to Thag, who gets sad and wants to go back up to the mysterious above. The gopher rats are sad, but they can't argue with God, and so they bid him farewell. <laughs> the baby gang using rope the baby gang, using Ruby's new rope invention, pull and pull from the hole. And uh pull up the great hideous beast and are like, What the fuck? That's not Thag. Who the fuck is this? And then they hear the big burp and look around behind them to see Thag, who uh found another way up to the surface. Mm-hmm. The great mysterious beast runs for the hills, dragging some rope behind him. And the rest of the gang tell the bickering adults that Thag is rescued now. End of episode. Yep. Episode 18. The Forbidden Friendship. Fuck this episode. I Except concur. for one line from Cree Summer, who fixed a character. <laughs> I have mixed feelings about Cree Summer being this character because I, I adore Cree Summer. Yeah. But I don't like this character. And so Cree Summer's voice coming out of this character doesn't exactly make the character. It just, it more of taints Cree Summer in this role for me, especially since Cree Summer, well, I mean, had the role of, of being the Lizzie in uh, mm-hmm. uh, Tiny, uh, Tiny Sources. Sources. I, I, and her voice sounds exactly the same. There isn't disguising of it. Yeah, I I feel like the character that she does in this episode, I like. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Latte. The way the dog you is laying. So cute. This is so cute. Um, I feel like the way that Chris Summer voices this character in this episode, like it 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 does give this character a little bit of growth, but then it makes me sit here and go, where's the growth for any of these other characters? <sighs> I don't know. How is this character aging, but no one else? I feel like they had to make, well, it's Tippy. What they're going to talk about? Yeah, tippy. it's Tippy. They're Fucking gonna, Tippy. They had to make Tippy talk because there's scenes where it's just Tippy and Thag with no one else mm-hmm. around. And if you had two silent characters, yeah. it might not work. You yeah. Know? But man... Tippy is a character that exists, and while not nearly as bad as Mo or the Yellow Bellies, probably one of my least favorite characters from the sequels. I concur. So, but sudden... Tippy has a great line in this movie <laughs> or in this episode. So it's suddenly winter, and uh, there's snow everywhere, and all the dinos have blue tint. Oh, and they're not cold. <gasps> so remember, snow in the mountains cold snow in the valley not cold and apparently if you brush away the snow and get to the green food it's fine nothing's wrong with it (laughs) yeah that too these people have never experienced winter (laughs) fag is eating pine needles while the other uh, while the others are digging for grass and chomper eats a hibernating caterpillar the gang talks about how they're glad that the warm times are returning and decide to go play the hard water hopping game which uh, entails jumping across the river 
on floating ice chunks. These kids and their dangerous, deadly games never experienced winter. <laughs> it's like the people. Are, this is this is what mountain people do, right? This is what people who live in cold do. They jump on on ice on the river. I mean, ice fishing. That's how you die. That's how you get a case of dead. <laughs> My fucking Christ. I got a bad case of being dead. Ugh. Anyways, g Big Steps, and Topsy are seen arguing about if there's enough new green budding food or if the cold times were too cold. g is like, there is enough food if we share, you three-horned ass. <laughs> and Topsy's like, share? <laughs> The latte squeaker. Anyways, the baby gang spots some far walkers returning to the Great Valley from far walking, and it's the spike tail herd from movie eight, I think, maybe nine? Eight. Whatever one. Whatever. Anyways, they're back, and so is Tippy, mm-hmm. who is talking now, and voiced by Cree Summer, who is amazing, but I'm not a fan of her voice coming out of Tippy's sound hole. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Shaky dog. Anyways, Thag and Tippy rejoice at the sight of one another and play, and we get the Good Times, Good Friends song. The adults of the Spike Tail Herd comment about how they're going, how they're so glad to be here, because food is scant on the other side of the Great Valley, and they're so glad to be back in the Great Valley, where dinos are kind and share. <laughs> what share? yells Topsy, displeased with these freeloaders coming to take their food. Topsy and uh, the unnamed Spiketail herd leader, we'll call him Pete. Anyways, <laughs> Pete and Topsy fight. Well, they push against one another and they get stuck together. In... Because they can't have the Spiketail obviously fighting the way a Spiketail would because Topsy would be dead. They're headbutting and so, Which, so no. Topsy's horns are like on either side of, of Pete's neck. Mm-hmm. And then when g big like they get they get stuck in a physically impossible way. But after they're separated, g big steps is like now now no need to fight. You're welcome to share what food we have. Pete is like thank you, but I'm not gonna stay any. I mean I'm not gonna stay anywhere near this jerk. And then the far walkers separate from the Great Valley herd, and that includes Thag and Tippy. Who uh, apparently have now been forbidden to play with one another. This is so stupid. Because Pete forbids Tippy to associate with the Great Valley Spike Tail and vice versa. It's, Fucking hell. It's a dumb plot and I don't care for it. Anyways, Tippy won't be told to stay away from his friend and he sneaks away to play with Thag. Thag does the same because fuck the adults and their arbitrary <laughs> rules of anti-friendship. Tippy initiates a game of tag, and the two run off to play and frolic. Ducky can't find Thag and goes looking for him, finds him playing Hopper Hop with Tippy, which uh, is made awkward when Ducky sees Tippy trying to mount Thag. <laughs> awkward. Anyways, Ducky is like, Oh no no, Thag is disobeying the adult. And she sings about how she wishes she knew what to do. Because Thag is disobeying, but his disobeying is just playing. So, welcome to adulthood, Ducky. Learning that adults can be petty <laughs> children who don't use their own Jerry, who don't use their own gray matter is a rite of passage, I'd say. <laughs> Anyways, Ducky finishes her song and is like, 
Maybe my other friends will know what to do. Yep, yep. And runs off. Back at Thag and Tippy, they find a thawed section of the Great Valley, which has lots of green food. And they're like, hey, we should go tell the adults. But then they'll know we disobeyed their stupid fucking command to not associate with one another. Oh, the dilemma! <laughs> Anyways, back at Ducky and the others, Ducky reveals that she saw Thag and Tippy playing with one another, and everyone is like, <gasps> They disobeyed the adults? How many times have we done that over the course of the many movies and this entire TV series? <laughs> fucking seriously. <laughs> Right? My fucking hell. But they're all super duper shocked anyways. Ducky is like, Thag shouldn't disobey, but I don't want him to get in trouble. And Sarah is like, what? Well, if you're not going to tell on him, I will. And then she runs off all, Dad, Dad, I've got something to tell you. And Ducky runs after her. When Sarah finally gets to her dad, she grows a conscience when Ducky gives her the pretty please face. And instead, Sarah is like, uh, Dad, uh, did you know that you can still get pregnant from pulling out? <laughs> and Topsy is like, of course you can. How do you think you got here? <laughs> and Sarah walks off with Ducky to rejoin the others. <laughs> however, <laughs> however, Tippy and Fag were busted by Tippy's mom and all the adults are shocked shocked that these two would be associating with one another after told not to. And the moms try to play the your son is a bad influence on my son game. The dads show up to join the argument, but the adults stop arguing when they hear the reveal that Tippy and Thag found a place with green food. But then the adults resume arguing about who gets the newly discovered food. And Tippy and Thag decide... Fuck the adults. If they're going to pull this shit, we won't tell them where the food is. Yep, I love that line of Tippy's. Just, Tippy think we shouldn't tell the adults where the food is. Yeah. Anyways, as Thag and Tippy are leaving, Tippy falls off a land bridge and into the raging icy river below. Ducky jumps into, jumps into the water to save Tippy, but just winds up needing rescuing too. The moms rescue the kids and then decide to patch things up with a stupid, stupid line. If we can save our kids together, why can't we eat together? Yuck yeah. you. Yeah, no series. shit. The conflict in this episode was particularly stupid overall. Anyways, things are better now and everyone has food. Some, uh, some more time passes and we see the far walkers saying that enough time has passed that surely there's more food that has grown outside of the mysterious beyond and so they can continue their far walk. Tippy says goodbye to his friend Thag and, uh, and is excited to have his new friend too, Ducky. End episode. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yep. Dumb, dumb, dumb episode. Probably my least favorite of this batch. Yeah, mine too. All right. Last episode. <laughs> <sighs> I hate even reading this title. <laughs> episode 19. The Amazing Three-Horn Girl. <laughs> Seriously, who writes these titles? <laughs> <laughs> the episode opens up with the baby gang fucking running for their lives from some angry sarcos. Oh. 
Baby Steps sends Petrie ahead to get help, and Sarah takes a tumble and trips. The rest of the gang fucking leaves Sarah behind <laughs> to die, and Sarah takes a wrong turn in the canyon and is cornered by two giant belly draggers. But before Sarah can be rolled to meet her to meet Raptor Jesus, <laughs> oh, we're, we're, almost, we're done. almost done. We're almost done. But before Sarah can be death rolled to meet Raptor Jesus, the <laughs> intro kicks in and we don't get to see the gruesome off-camera death. <laughs> Back from the intro, Sarah is still alive, but just barely. As one of the Sarkos snaps at her, Sarah dodges back and bumps into the cliff wall and knocks some tiny rocks down, which causes larger rocks to fall, and they land right in front of Sarah, scaring the Sarkos away. We cut to the rest of the baby gang who are like, Wait! Where is Sarah? Oh god! Sarah's dead! And then they see Sarah, who is like, I'm not dead yet, but I almost was dead. <laughs> And Sarah mentions knocking down the rocks and scaring the belly draggers. And all the baby gang is like, Oh my god! Sarah is a super brave mega hero! <laughs> and Sarah tries to be like, Well, actually, it was just more of an accident than just, you know, luck that the boulders scared them away because I was cornered and pissing all over myself at the prospect <laughs> of imminent death. But if you guys want to initiate, want to inflate my ego, I guess I'll let you. <laughs> and Sarah reluctantly accepts everyone's adoration. G-Paw Big Steps and two dinos with fins that Kay told me what they were, but I have no idea how to spell it, come walking up to be like, Aronosaurus. <laughs> Grandpa Big Steps and two Aronosauri <laughs> come walking up, and they're like, Thank goodness you're all right. We'll go plug up that hole. Good thing Sarah saved the day. And before long, Petrie flies ahead like a herald, announcing how amazing, brave, and completely fucking awesome Sarah is, and how she single-handedly defeated two giant belly draggers all by herself. Everything that happens next is not Sarah's <laughs> fault. <laughs> I wouldn't take it that far. She but did, like, doesn't have to be a bitch about no it. No one was listening to her, yeah. and it's like, you know what? Fine. <laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> Fine, I am God. Yes, pray to me. Like, yeah, <laughs> like that's the way that she kind of approaches what happens next. So yeah, so Petrie flies ahead to announce Sarah and their and her greatness, and uh, all the dinos of the Great Valley start to shower Sarah literally with tree stars, all while singing about the brave three-horn girl, all to the rehashed tune of Beyond the Mysterious Beyond. Yeah, they ruined their goodwill from... The earlier usage of it. Yeah. Sarah seems to be kind of uncomfortable at all the attention. That is until her dad comes up and is like, I always knew you were the fucking tits, Sarah. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. And Sarah's inner monologue is like, Well, I can't go back now. I'm a daddy's girl who's starving for paternal praise. G-Paw Big Step shows up to be like, We plug the hole. And Topsy is like, Hole? More like... My daughter is a whole lot of belly dragon sharp tooth ass kicking. <laughs> and the next day, Topsy is literally standing on a rock and being like, Who wants to hear my daughter talk about how fucking awesome she is? And Topsy pressures Sarah to talk about her near-death heroic experience. And as Sarah tries to give the facts, her dad is like, No, no embellish make it grandiose y'all be swell <laughs> y'all be great 
gonna have the valley on a plate. You don't get that yet. But he's a total mama rose. And Sarah channels her inner thespian and tells a fantastic tale about saving her friends from certain death and defeating the smelly belly draggers with her superior brain and brawn. But, like, she is, though. She is so uncomfortable with this because she is trying to, like, go, no, it wasn't that big of a deal. Yeah. I ran into some rocks. Yeah. They fell. That's it. (laughs) She tries multiple times to just tell the truth. Mm -hmm. And no one lets her. Like, this is, this is the fault of everybody else, including her friends, who she tried to explain to them from the jump what happened. Yeah. And they decided to embellish it. This is their fault, not hers. <laughs> well, like, I, I don't want to be a Sarah apologist, <laughs> but in this case... This was, she tried. She tried multiple times she, and her friends wouldn't let her. She is still culpable, like, she, late, like later, because yeah, she gets, yeah, she, later, she gets but, pretty bitchy. Yeah, but that's also Sarah and the nature of embellishment. Like, that's that's kind of what the lesson of this one is, is how quickly lies can spin out of control. Get away from the, yeah. And with, with, with this, I'm kind of like, come on. You guys should have known that this is where it would go. Yeah. If you let Sarah. If you let Sarah run wild yeah. with her ego. <laughs> you, you all have evidence for years <laughs> of what Sarah's ego could do. Oh, check if paper. Sarah... <laughs> uh, 13 movies and 18, now 19 episodes. <laughs> yeah. Like, if, if they would have listened to Sarah the first time, then... They, but they didn't. They just went, oh yeah, Sarah saved the day. Sarah's going, no, I didn't. I didn't save any day. Stop it. And then once her dad started giving yeah, her Yeah, and her praise, dad, like, not what... just praise, but like when she's trying to tell the truth, he's just like, no, you're not telling it right. Yeah, well, basically because he was like, no, 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 we're three horns. We're better than everyone yeah, else. We yeah. have to be god dinosaur kings among regular yeah. dinosaur men. He's He's an abusive father. Like, not a abusive father in the way that most people think of but he is abusive Mm -hmm. in the way that he is pressuring sarah to be something she isn't or to say things that she isn't to get his love and And that's really fucking terrible because for him it's also a reflection on him yeah yeah he is he is such an unhealthy motherfucker my hell yep Yep, yep, yep. he sees his daughter as an extension of himself yep all right, the next day, the baby gang are getting ready to play shoot the seed or catch the seed or dodge the seed, whatever it is kids do those days with seeds. <laughs> Anyways, Ducky asks if she can ride on the amazing three-horn girl, and Sarah obliges. The gang goes to play their seed-slinging game <laughs> when three large dinosaurs show up and are like, We want to hear about how amazing you are. And so Sarah tells the story again. Baby Steps and Ruby comment that Sarah can't go anywhere without people wanting to talk to her. And Ruby gives a great comment Mm -hmm. that talking about Sarah is one of Sarah's favorite things to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) The next day, however, Sarah has gotten an overinflated ego and an entire crowd hangs on her every embellished word. All while Thag fans Sarah with a leaf, Baby Steps and Ruby show up to be like, oh, she's telling the story again. 
and they hear Sarah talking about how she had to be brave because her friends were being prehistoric chicken shits and <laughs> running away. And Baby Steps and Ruby are like, well, that part is new. It gets revealed that Sarah's story has gotten more and more extravagant to the point where it straight up lies. Now Sarah is fighting now Sarah is fighting them and headbutting the Sarkos and chasing them away, and now that there's three this time. Baby Steps and Ruby try to say that Sarah isn't telling the truth, and Sarah is like, Well, how do you know? You were running away. Oh <laughs> goes the crowd. And after the story, Chomper is like, I love hearing Sarah tell her story. I learn new things every time she tells it. And Chomper comments that he's still smelling the belly draggers. And the rest of the baby gang are like, huh, um, you should not still be smelling them if they ran back to the mysterious beyond. And the gang goes to investigate if the belly draggers actually left. Spoilers, they did not. Nope. And in fact, there are more of them now. When the baby gang goes to report what they saw, everyone then is like, Sarah is a horrible fucking liar. What should we do? I know. Let's sing about how we can't trust her and how she shouldn't stay here in the valley with us. I know. Let's fucking banish a child. And before Deception. <laughs> disgrace. Evil as plain as the horns on her face. Sorry, wrong movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, love you. I love you. But like, that's also where it gets fucked up is that the adults are all feeding into it at the start. Some of these adults have been there for multiple retellings. They should know that this is a kid. Every, and they're all idiots, too. That's yeah, the thing. They're all really yeah, dumb. Yeah. Like, they fall for everything. They believe everything. And then they're surprised by everything. And then I love, I love the extreme countermeasures where they're mm -hmm. like kick sarah out of the valley yeah. and i'm just like this death is sentence child i'm like so so sarah's punishment is death sentence <laughs> death sentence <laughs> for all of you pressuring her <laughs> you you horrible dense walnut brain motherfuckers yeah. so before the mob can have its way with sarah g paw big steps is like um, maybe calm down, y'all. Let's go deal with this belly dragger issue. And g tells Sarah and Topsy to stay there. Topsy tells Sarah that he's very disappointed in her for lying and that, she, and, and that he needs some time alone. Sarah gets sad and wanders off and is ambushed by a whole bunch of belly draggers who have Sarah stuck between a bunch of hungry maws and a cliff. I do love uh, Grandpa Longneck's thing, though, about, you know, maybe we shouldn't be entrusting the safety of the valley in children. <laughs> yeah, I missed that line, but yeah, the only bit of wisdom coming out of him. Yeah, in this episode. In this episode. Before Sarah can be attacked, Topsy rushes in to save his daughter and attacks the Sarkos. Sarah gives the sharp teeth a big old roar, which echoes through the Great Valley and gets the attention of the entire herd, who come in and just come in at just the right time to see the Sarkos retreating and pursue to push them out of the valley. Sarah apologizes to her dad for lying, and Topsy actually mans up and apologizes for encouraging sarah to lie and embellish the story mm -hmm. he tells her that she will always be his special three-horned girl his amazing three-horned girl oh 
Because well, they dropped the fucking title again. You'll always be my amazing special sugar muffin plump horn. I just... <sighs> that episode made me so <sighs> mad. Because Sarah is a problematic character, but this was the first time where it's like everybody else caused her to be that. It Yeah, it was... I think it was the shock of the situation and Sarah... I I think it was the shock of the situation and Sarah just being relieved that she was alive mm-hmm. that caused her to tell the truth. Because I yeah. feel like if she had to walk any further amount of distance back, she yes. might have been... She, she might would have, have completely changed it. <laughs> you know, it, it, she she probably would have been weaving this fantastical tale. Yes. But initially she was just like, holy shit, you guys. Like, it's the, it's equi- the closest she's gotten to death. Yeah. Or at least the, in recent, they've all been so close to death. True. I think about times that, uh, like, one time that pops into my mind was when I was driving, when I was a teenager mm-hmm. and driving home in my first car. And a and as I'm I'm on the freeway, like Utah has some some really weird roads where like there's stoplights, but they also have like freeway speeds on these lines. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, so anybody who knows this, it was the intersection of I-15 and Bangadur. Oh fuck! So before they they took out the light that was there, and I'm coming oh. off the freeway and I'm I'm getting onto Bangadur and I'm speeding up and I'm trying to get up to speed, and this fucking car pulls out right in front of me mm-hmm. as I'm going through the intersection kind of thing like and i i pulled the wheel and i changed lanes just barely to not rear end this guy going yeah. 60 you know yeah and and uh just i remember just being like oh, 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 kind of thing and that would be like the equivalent of me telling that story and being like here i was weaving in and out of traffic dodging at every possible yeah. turn like yeah yeah it's that kind of difference. If if Sarah, I I do agree. If Sarah had had any amount of time <laughs> in between near death and seeing her friends, then it definitely would have been a different story. But the fact that she was trying to tell them the truth, like, oh man, I was so lucky. I bumped into the canyon wall and rocks fell down and it scared them away, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I didn't see where they went, but it scared them away. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, it would, yeah, the, admitting that she didn't know where they went would have probably prompted the adults to be like, well, we mm-hmm. gotta, let's go find, we gotta, we yeah. gotta make sure that wherever yeah. they got in, we plug it up. But her friends would not let her get to that last bit that she was about to say. <laughs> Poor Sarah in that one. Because, <sighs> yeah, this is the one time that she didn't, she wasn't the one who fucked up. So okay. usually she is. Know what I'm happy about? The fact that we only have one more episode of the TV series and then one episode of the movie. Oh, man. The the TV series has been more of a note-taking ordeal than the movies have. Mm-hmm. You know, each three episodes is basically a movie. Um, yeah. And we have six episodes left. Mm-hmm. And then the 14th movie. Mm-hmm. And then we get to tell the Condors to fuck off for the rest of our lives. However short that may be, after I tell them to fuck off. Please don't tell Condors to fuck off. That's not a good thing. Uh, I'm so done with them. I'm so looking forward to regular musicals again. I am too. I really am. You know what we haven't been able to watch because of these? In the Heights. Mm. Do you know what I wish we could have watched instead of these? In the Heights. Yeah. Baka baka ba baka ba. To quote (sighs) the Derby in March. 
Anyway, thank you all so much for listening to this odd episode of Tone Deaf. Um, we only we, got one more, y'all. We only got one more of the TV series, and then we have one more of the movie, and then uh, we probably do have to present our findings to the Condor gods. I guess we probably But will. that'll be that'll be okay. That'll be no more watching these movies. <laughs> and then then we can finally get to good musicals again, or just weird stage shows again. <laughs> but... Thank you again so much for listening and continuing to support us. If you'd like to reach out to Kay and myself, you can do so at our home base, which is ToneDeafMusical.com. There we have links to all of our social medias, our Twitters, our Facebooks, our Instagrams, as well as a link to the Cast Junkie Discord server where we have our own Not Safe for Work channel. If you want to support our show, you can do so by going to iTunes, Podchaser, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. You can subscribe, you can leave a review, uh, five-star reviews really help get the show moving up the charts. You can say anything in those reviews, you can say, Sarah did nothing wrong, anything. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to go above and beyond in supporting our show, you can do that by going to our Patreon, which is Tone Deaf Musical. Uh, there you have a bunch of different tiers where you can get your name read on the show, you can get a message on the show you can listen to bonus episodes like our capitalism gone wild series about weird commercial musicals um if you want a more tangible way to show your love you can go to our t public and get t-shirts uh masks hoodies all that jazz again tone deaf musical just like everything else anyway i think that'll be it for this week I'm Kay. I'm Warren. And this has been Tone, Tone Deaf. Deaf. Oh. Uh, I go burnt. And then we have to watch more. But I can maybe make some black eyed peas while we're watching them.